We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. History has clearly shown that Christ is required to overcome the natural tendency of powerful forces to destroy God-given rights, including the right to hear and speak His truth. Welcome to Biblical Citizen. Let's roll with your hosts, Brian and Kathleen Melanakis. Kathleen is an author and retired registered nurse, and her husband Brian is a former company president. Kathleen and Brian discuss current events from a biblical worldview, so we as believers can influence for good in our culture and in the public square. Here is Biblical Citizen. Let's roll. Hello, Biblical Citizens. We want to wish you all a happy Mother's Day tomorrow. I know I am very grateful for my mother, who I'm blessed to be able to honor. She's 93, going strong, and has taught me so much of what I am today. I thank her for her patience, persistence, and pluckiness in surviving a lot of challenges in her life. We had a lovely Mother's Day tea at our church, and my mom won the fanciest hat contest. She wore a flashy broad-rimmed hat trimmed with bright red roses. It was so much fun. Happy Mother's Day to all. Well, today we have with us our pastor, Dr. Gary Cash. He leads Christ Community Reformed Church in Escondido, the one where we had the tea. Unfortunately, Brian can't be with us today. He's visiting his brother in Arkansas. But he and I both agreed that Pastor Gary gave such a great sermon on biblical citizenship this last Sunday that it would be great for our listeners if we discuss some of Gary's insights and experiences on the air. So our pastor, in addition to graduating from Westminster Seminary, has served as a missionary in Russia and in many other capacities. He's an active evangelist here in San Diego uh, area. Importantly, he's been a pro-life activist for 25 years, so he's been thinking about these issues, these uh, going against the state and and these issues for a long time. He's worked with the late D. James Kennedy, who was a leader in confronting the culture as well. And Pastor Gary leads outreaches and prayer teams to Planned Parenthood centers. He just led one this morning, in fact. He's a longtime friend of Troy Newman, the head of Operation Rescue. He opens our church to the Salt and Light Council to show relevant movies exposing problems in our culture, and and other groups are welcome to speak there as well about these many things that are going on that we want to confront and overcome evil with good. I'm honored to be speaking with him today. Welcome, Pastor Gary. Well, it's a delight to be on the program with you, and I love your mother, Mary. She is (laughs) such a sweetheart, and we have such a good time when she's around. She always uh, makes it interesting, and she is, like you said, she is, I like that description. She's plucky. (laughs) I like that. And that's what I learned from her, I hope. I learned some of that pluckiness. So, Brian, and I just loved your sermon that you gave this last Sunday on the right to resist. So let's get right into some of your main points you made and the scriptures that deal directly with our responsibilities. 
not only do we have a right to resist, but we have a responsibility to resist evil governments, correct? And what they try to impose on people. So does, isn't that a lot what Jesus meant when he said, you are the salt of the earth? So explain that a little bit. Well, and that's our challenge, isn't it? A lot of what we see happening in the church today is that we would rather not be the salt. Uh, salt, uh, by the way, is uh, stings sometimes. You put it in a wound and it needs to do its work. Uh, it has stinging properties. Uh, nobody appreciates that, but we do want the results, don't we? We want uh, to be preserved. Salt is a preservative and, it's a, and it cleanses. And uh, what we're finding is uh, a lot of the churches these days would prefer to be the sugar of the earth. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know about you. I have a lot of fillings in my mouth because I like sugar too much. Sugar has uh, doesn't always help. And uh, so we are called to be salt. And unfortunately, when we're not salty, Jesus warned us that we become worthless and worthless salt gets trampled on. And so we need to be the salty church, and now that doesn't necessarily mean we won't have trouble, because even uh, as we're going through the book of Acts, as we're studying this uh, beginning of the church, they were quite salty. And so one of the things I had to point out, it was the salty blood of the martyrs that became the seed of the church. But if we're going to be trampled on or we're going to be confronted uh, may it be because we're being salty to the extent that we're standing for Christ and representing him and his kingdom and his crown rights, and not uh, that we're being trampled on because we become worthless. Mm. And one of the things you said was defiance of ungodly authority is one of the first apostolic lessons. And mm-hmm. uh, we must listen to God, not to ungodly authority. And and the Apostle Paul really acted this out, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, so explain yeah, and, that that story about being well, taken the, the, for an Egyptian insurrectionist. Well, let me back up. One of okay. the very first lessons in Acts 4, remember, uh, Peter and, and John are confronted. They healed the man born lame. And, uh, of course, that turned Jerusalem upside down when the news of that miracle took place. Uh, but that wasn't uh, well received by the religious establishment. So Paul, uh, excuse me, John and Peter were arrested and, and charged. Don't preach in the name of Jesus. You're stirring things up. And of course, uh, their famous words is whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you be the judge. But we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. So from the very beginning, uh, the apostolic model for us is we have a job. It's been defined by our Lord, and we are going to do that job. And frankly, no one has the right to usurp King Jesus. And not that uh, they didn't suffer for that, because again, they were arrested and uh, eventually flogged. But it's interesting, after being flogged for preaching in the name of Jesus, they rejoiced that they were counted worthy to dis- suffer dishonor for his name. So that's our legacy. That's our patrimony. So it was later then uh, that the Apostle Paul would obviously come and be converted. And uh, we read about this account near the end of the book of Acts. So we go from the beginning to, to almost the end, hmm. but the message is the same. Uh, when, when Paul was about 
to be whipped or flogged in order to uh, get to the bottom of what had happened, this riot that had occurred in the temple precincts. And the Romans who were charged with keeping the peace were afraid that maybe this insurrectionist, this Egyptian that had escaped earlier, uh, had come back and uh, somebody may have charged Paul with being that person. We're not sure why they thought that, but they were going to get to the bottom of it by flogging him. And uh, as I mentioned, that could have been lethal. Some people, you don't survive a Roman flogging. And, and rather than just submitting to it, Paul said, hey, are you going to essentially uh, whip a Roman citizen who is uncondemned? And so he demanded his due, uh, his due process rights. And some Christians may think, well, shouldn't he have just submitted? After all, uh, doesn't Romans 13 say we're supposed to submit to all government authority? And Paul was sinning by resisting uh, having himself flogged by the, this uh, Roman tribune. And he, he said, I am a Roman citizen. I have not been condemned. You don't have the right to do this. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, that was very brave of him. I mean, he had the religious authorities against him, the Jewish religious authorities mm-hmm. and the whole the Roman government, the Roman Empire. Mm-hmm. Wow. And, and yet he had the strength be, that Jesus gave him. Right. To stand up and say, no, you don't have the right to do this. I am sharing the gospel. I am I have the resurrected Lord with me. And so, wow, it was really brave of him to do that. And, right. And, yeah, and let me just say something, because it can be, uh, I'm, I'm sorry to say, some people romanticize persecution. You know, oh, it'll, wouldn't it be great when persecution comes? And then the Lord will really move. And, and God does move when people are being persecuted and um, the church will thrive. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. But don't romanticize suffering. We don't need to unnecessarily suffer for the Lord. And uh, as I pointed out, when we got saved, we we came to the Lord body and soul, right? So mm-hmm. my body is the property of the Lord Jesus Christ. I do not have a right over my body. I can't just do what I want with my body. And so for me to uh, allow my body to be abused unlawfully, I don't have the I don't have the authority to do that, right? Hmm. Um, so we have to stand up for our rights and say, no, my body is a temple of Holy Spirit, and it's been bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. And no, you're not going to abuse my body because I'm going to glorify God in my body, and uh, I got to be alive to do that. So, um, and that's good news. Uh, some people, uh, as you know, may have something of a martyr's complex. Hmm. And they almost think it's virtuous to be abused. And uh, we have to kind of step back and say, no, wait a minute. No, that's, this is, Jesus suffered for me. Jesus suffered at the hands of wicked men, uh, but he overcame and conquered. I don't need to suffer like Jesus did in order to redeem myself or save myself. I'm suffered by the finished work of Christ. And that's so, where some people get the idea, I think, well, what, mm-hmm. that's what you said, is that 
Paul actually sinned by asserting his rights and that we should, the example of Jesus under Pontius Pilate, mm-hmm. uh, and that's why we shouldn't, you know, go. we should go along with the shutdowns and the other things, mm-hmm. the ways that government's trying to go against Christians, stifle right. us and censor us. That's not what Jesus meant. That is not the right argument. Tell us what's wrong with that argument. We, sh- we well, should well, remember, it, you know, it's the it's... same Paul that resisted uh, this unlawful use of force, appealed for his due process rights, and he's also the same one who wrote Romans 13 about being in submission, right? Yeah. We're supposed to be subject to authority. And that's where, unfortunately, we have to keep coming back to because uh, a lot of people just are not aware that no, nobody, uh, no king, no governor, no president, no legislature, no courts have a right to do what is wrong and what is wrong, to abrogate us and alienate us from our God-given rights and to violate our conscience and to do something contrary to the word of God. Nobody can force you to do that lawfully. So no authority has absolute authority. All authority has to be subject to God. So we, we know that in, uh, for example, in the family, the husband can't beat the wife. That's unlawful. Uh, that's violence. And, and he should be arrested and thrown in jail for that. Uh, in the church, the elders can't abuse the flock and teach heresy and, and uh, do uh, unlawful things and unbiblical things. There's no un, uh, unlimited authority in the church, and neither is there unlimited authority in the state. The state has to be under the laws of nature and of nature's God. That's what the founders built our whole nation on, and we find the laws of nature's God written in the scriptures. So they cannot legislate anything that is contrary to the Scripture or require anybody to do something that is contrary to the Scripture. Once they've done that, they've forfeited their lawful authority, and we and anything contrary would be constitute an unlawful order. And by definition, we don't have to obey unlawful orders. That just seems so clear. You know, this concept of rights has gotten so twisted in mm-hmm. modern times. And I have been an activist, too, for a long time. And I couldn't believe when I read in the ACLU strategy handbook, they said, well, we just uh, take whatever we want to do and frame it in the language of rights. So therefore, they say women have a right to abortion. Women are, you know, homosexuals have a right to gay marriage and mm-hmm. a right to transgender ideology and all these things that are direct attacks on the family and and they are not rights as they were as the word even was meant to be a right, right. is the dignity and the you know how do you define that like the right well, a right a right is what god gives you right yes god given rights and does god ever give us the right to do what is wrong no, he no. does not. And, and how do we know what's wrong? Well, because he's defined right and wrong for us in the scriptures. So abortion is not a right because it involves the taking of innocent life. It's, we call it murder. Um, sexual chaos, sexual immorality is not right because we do not have 
authority over our own bodies. We're created by God, and especially if you're a, a Christian, not only have you been created by God and you're accountable to God for the deeds that you do in your body, uh, you have been redeemed by Christ, and now he has purchased your body. And so you do not have the right to do any illicit, shameful, or what the Bible calls abominable acts. And you certainly don't have the right to interfere with my First Amendment right to declare the gospel. And King Jesus has given me a mission to preach the gospel, and therefore we have the right to assemble, we have the right to preach, and uh, no state can lawfully deprive us of that. And so rights come to us from God, right and wrong are defined for us by God. Uh, we'll be getting into more of that in my next sermon. But, uh, <laughs> and that's what the uh, postmodernists, the liberation theology people have gotten so mm-hmm. wrong that everyone can make up their own mind for themselves what is right and wrong. And that is going to lead us down the path that we've seen of destruction. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's leading us. We have to go by what our Creator says. And, and, and I thought it was so interesting that you said that the founding documents of the United States, the Declaration and the Constitution, were the culmination and the highest expression of a long evolution of political thought among Christian thinkers going back to the early church. So the Declaration and the Constitution did not just come out of nowhere. No, they went back to the Apostle Paul when he was doing this and standing mm-hmm. up for his due process rights, his dignity, his right to preach the gospel, to be who he was called to be by God. And so this is the evolution of a long train of thinking, the Protestant law theories. See, a lot of people think, you know, maybe the, the founders just sat down and made all this stuff up on the spot. No, they didn't do that. They were standing in a stream of uh, legal theory that had been thought about for centuries and centuries. And had they. that's why we're blessed, because more than any other nation in the history of the world, we are the beneficiaries of that thinking. And so certain assumptions are baked into the way that we relate to one another. Number one, that we are all created equal. Well, where did we get that? That's Genesis 1. Uh, nobody was born with a crown on their head or a scepter in their hand. There was no, nobody has authority over anybody. We're all by nature equal in that respect. So we're equal before God. We're equal under the law. That's a biblical view. We also had a biblical view of human nature. Man is not necessarily naturally inclined to do what is right. Uh, we are fallen. Um, yeah. And we see it on display every day on the news. Yeah. Don't we? <laughs> we do. And so they had to, they, because they had a biblical view of man, they realized we, in order to go into the future, we need to define very strict limits on what government can do. We need to divide those powers so no one person or one group of persons can have all power consolidated within them. So they, they defined, they, they limited, and they distributed power so that it would keep us from being tempted because of our sinful inclinations. All of these ideas come to us from the Bible. You cannot get that from Marxism or humanism or materialism. We're going to talk a little bit about that this Sunday. But all of that 
we are enjoying, and most of us, because of our public educations, have been cut off from this because they, uh, the humanists don't want us to understand that we are standing on the shoulders of people like John Calvin, John Knox, uh, Rutherford, John Locke. These were all Christian men. And if we are cut off from that, then the, the humanists can come in and try to co-opt us. So what are some of the things that we can do to steward our rights for the advancement of the kingdom of God and, mm-hmm. and you know, do what Jesus calls us to, be, to do, and mm-hmm. that is be the salt in our culture? Mm-hmm. What, what, are, well, what are some things we can do? Well, the first thing we have to do is become aware of them, and uh, most of us need to do remedial uh, civics lessons because, again, it's either been a long time since we've thought about these things, so yeah, you may want to do that. Fortunately, there's lots of good resources out there. I'm sure uh, you can bring some of those to your uh, audience, but we need to know what our rights are, but then we need to stand for them. And I, I'm a great advocate of the First Amendment because it's uh, enshrined so many things that are important to the church to be able to do its mission. But the truth is, if you didn't have the Second Amendment and our right to bear arms, uh, you would not have the First Amendment. So I think uh, among the, the rights that are necessary, Christians need to be very vociferous in it, in their support of the Second Amendment because uh, we know what happens once governments get a monopoly on force. Then yeah. they don't have to listen to the people, hmm. and um, and it always seems to end badly that way. So First Amendment, Second Amendment rights. And our sure. due process rights, too. Isn't that Fifth Amendment? Yeah, you, yeah. And, yeah. Yep. and so we, we want uh, equal justice under the law, and we see what's happening now, the way the courts are being corrupted. And can we reassert confidence in equal justice uh, before the law. But remember, a lot of these judges that are being uh, installed don't believe in objective justice and and feel really no compunction to uphold the law because they feel it's all subjective. And so they, they can just make up stuff as they go along. And as a result, that's kind of where we're at. So we've got to come back to um, kind of a, an originalist view of the Constitution, that they knew what they meant when they said it, and we need to stay within the, the, the intent of the founders, and so we need to support judges and uh, advocate for strict constructionists who will, who will stay faithful to our founding documents. But then we have to stand up. We have to exercise our rights. So we need to go into the public square. We need to be uh, using them and defending them and supporting, frankly, other believers who are being singled out and persecuted for doing this. And they're, they're, they're trying to silence and intimidate us uh, because of our views on social and moral issues that they don't want to hear. And everyone and my dear pastor friends keep, you know, saying this. And now I think they see, you know, I tried to point this out. Hey, if they're going to try to silence us on abortion and they're successful or silence us on the sexual anarchy and they're successful, do you think they're going to stop there? They're also going to silence us on the gospel because the gospel is an offense. Right. So uh, I, my dear pastor friends, you got to understand that we, we all hang or uh, on this together 
and the gospel is at risk. Anytime free speech is abrogated, it's they're gunning for us to silence us. And so we have to be uh, very, very uh, sensitive to keeping our our rights so that we can come on the radio and do what we're doing today. <laughs> and and even go on the offense like you do. You go to the Planned Parenthood centers and, and you pray and you outreach to those people. It's going into the evil, and that's what you've said mm-hmm. many times is, you know, the, Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail against the church, and the gates are a defensive mechanism. Mm-hmm. So we are going to, on the offense, against the gates of hell, but they will not prevail. So right. that is what we need to do. Tell us, a l- in the last little time we have, uh, how people can contact you or find out more about Christ Community Reformed Church. Well, obviously, everyone's welcome to come attend. If you're in the San Diego area, we're right up in Escondido, right off the 15. And um, so you can check us out online. Uh, the email or the website address is super simple. It's ChristCRC.com. ChristCRC.com. You can see what we're doing. And uh, we are so appreciative of uh, what you and Brian are doing. And we're so proud to have you as members of our church. But we've got a church full of people that are um, intent on establishing the crown rights of Jesus Christ and uh, upholding the gospel and God's law, his righteousness and his justice. So if that's uh, something you're interested in and you you can make it, you're always welcome. Our worship service is at 1030. And uh, for example, like you mentioned this weekend, uh, we're at Planned Parenthood. We try to go out uh, into the neighborhood, uh, sharing the gospel. We try to go on to the university campuses. So um, if you have a, a heart for that, or if you just want to be politically active, uh, we support that as well. We are so grateful for our church and you as our leader, Pastor Gary. Uh, thank you for being with us. Thank you. You're very kind. We have been talking with Pastor Gary Cass of Christ Community Reformed Church in Escondido. We hope and pray other pastors will follow his example. We are followers of Jesus, and he will give us the strength to resist any plots or plans of the evil one, including from from governments. Bless you till next week. Join us next Saturday at noon for Biblical Citizen. Let's roll. Your hosts, Brian and Kathleen Melanakis, seek to educate and activate Christians at a grassroots level, helping them to live out their responsibility to influence civic affairs for good. Next week, we will cover another major news happening from the view of the biblical citizen.